Welcome to Anything But Routine. Before we get into today's podcast, we want to talk about our Just For Kicks Coaches and Studio Owners Conference. This conference is designed for dance coaches and studio owners to learn from industry experts. You'll be able to network with other coaches and studio owners and so much more. This conference is hosted by Cindy Clow herself. For more information, email us at support at justforkicks.com. Now on to the podcast. at this class, I do a very technique-based class where we go over every little bit of technique. And for new people, if that's what you wanted, I do have a video of what I normally do. But we're more going to hit strengthening and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, but we'll hit some technique stuff too. So take it away, Jenny. Yeah, so um, I think most of you were in the the first class that I was here, but if I haven't met you yet, I'm Jenny Raish. Um, just got done coaching for 20 years at Eastview High School, and kick was our, we, we did okay in kick, so I'm pretty confident talking about this, <laughs> um, this topic. And um, like Cindy said, when we sat down and did this, we're like, do we give them a bunch of drills that you've heard from different places and different things every time, or do we start talking about, okay, what, do, what are, is actually happening to our kids' bodies from the beginning of the season to the end of the season? What do we actually want to accomplished from the beginning of the season to the end of the season in terms of what we're getting out of our score sheet. When are we practicing kicks? When, are, when should we not be practicing kicks? How do we level up? How do we, how do we do things just differently than we've been doing them before to level up? That was a, a huge part of our conversation. Um, but always going back to the basics at the very beginning um, with those new kids, with those younger kids, and even with your older kids is also super, super important. So um, I was was working with the team and saying like whether you are it's the first day you ever take a ballet class or you're a principal at the New York City Ballet every single ballet class starts with plies so kind of in kick if you've got kids who are have been kicking with you for three four years going back to the very basics at the beginning is always always a good thing that's where you always go back in whatever kind of style dance you're doing um, but the bigger things that we that we wanted to hone in on is how you are utilizing warm-ups to assist in your kick technique. And I know I've talked with a, a few coaches in here um, and with your teams already about utilizing your strength training, utilizing your conditioning, utilizing your warm-ups, utilizing your stretching. That is when you're practicing and training your muscles to do the things you need them to do during kick technique. It's not having them just kick a lot. I, will, I, I can say candidly, I can say full disclosure, we do not practice kick technique during practice. We incorporate things into our warm-ups, into our conditioning on a daily basis that get their bodies and their muscles trained to do what they need to kick. But other than that, during the winter season, we're working on the kick sets and the dance, and that's it. So um, really utilizing um, warm-ups and conditioning more than anything. I don't know if you want to jump in on well, any of that. Sometimes people ask, what drills do you do? What drills do you do? And I'm like, or they're like, we need new drills. And I'm like, we really don't do drills that much. We drill what we're working on. And, and it may seem boring, but that's what we do. In the summer, we'll work kick technique, getting ready for camp and, and that type of thing. And in our fall program, you know, at the studio, we work kick technique. So once the season's there, we're working on what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And you, you subsequently work on technique within that 
like your kick line or whatever you're working on. So. Yeah. Um, so as far as warm-ups and stuff go on a daily basis, just for a show of hands, how many of you have your captain's or your senior's lead stretch every day? Yeah? Okay. And how many of you have something that happens before stretch every day? Kind of, yes, no. Okay. Um, I, I, f I think when we got out of the mindset that practice starts after warm-ups or after stretching is done is when our team immediately got stronger. And we talked this morning about utilizing your assistant coaches and utilizing the different people on your staff for different parts of your practice. And when those JV coaches, JV coaches, when you're wanting to work with those varsity athletes, warm-ups is the time to do it and to do those kind of things. And so we are really, really, really intentional about what our warm-ups look like every day before our stretching happens. And stretching isn't just the seniors leading. Um, three songs of stretch every single day. Um, so we have every Monday, we have a dynamic wor workout that Coach Tony does. On Tuesdays, they're in the weight room. On Wednesdays, it's yoga sculpt. On Thursdays, they're running. And on Fridays, we have a movement warm up that happens before we stretch. And what, we're, what we might do within those is different each week, but they know they can count on a different style cardio warm up to get them ready for each day. If we know it's a day that we need to drill kick sets a lot, we're probably not doing a lot of legs because we know that we're going to be working their legs later so we're going to hit legs harder during stretching but we're going to be working core and lower back because I need their core and lower back super strong for kick that day so we I'm utilizing Tony's in charge of workouts on Mondays coach Rainey who's our TCO specialist is working is setting our Tuesdays and he knows we have a kick meet that week so he knows what to put into our Tuesday workout our yoga sculpt is is tailored towards, you know, what our bodies are going to need if we competed on a Tuesday night and we need more of a recovery day, then she's focusing our warm-ups on that for that day. Thursdays, our running is very much dependent. We start with a half a mile and then we go up a lap each day or each week until we get up to a mile and a half and then we tailor back down to the end of the season so they're back at a half mile. And that happens throughout the season. We, we're, we run a lot. Um, then beyond that, we have choreographed warm-ups that we do. Um, and we, so we have three, three choreographed songs and they're like four to five minutes long. Um, and so for example, what Taylor will do with the team this year is on Monday, they'll do song one of the choreographed warm-up as the first thing they do when they start stretching. And then they have about three or four more songs after that to continue that. Um, song two of our choreographed warm-up they'll do on Wednesday. Song three they'll do on Fridays. Then we call it, when we get to game day, we call competition day game day. When that first song of game day warm-up comes on, that's when the kids are laser focused in. They know a choreographed warm-up and they know that one hour from the time that, that game day music start, game day warm-up music starts, they're on the floor competing because we have it timed out exactly one hour before they compete, their game day warm-up starts. And those three songs are balance exercises, flexibility exercises, and then movement to get their bodies warm. Those are what those three songs are. And the, the minute that music comes on, they go in game day mode. Okay, and they don't touch their phones, they don't do anything other than focus on getting out onto the floor once that happens, but we practice it during the week so that they're getting more comfortable with the movement that they're doing. So it's like the prep before they compete. Does anyone else do anything like this? When we started doing this, it was a total game changer for us. We were like, why are we going to the most important day? Like we were sitting at state one year being like, why are we telling them on the most important day of the year, sit and st stretch a little bit before we go? Why, yes, we would have like, 
stretches that we would lead, but we're like, why aren't we doing a full routine to get ready to do their full routine? And once we started doing that, it just got them in a much better mindset. Those choreographed warmups that we're doing are doing so many things that are preparing our kids and prepping their technique for what it needs to be during during their kicks. And so utilizing your time so well. Yes. Because when you don't do that, they just... They sit in a butterfly. Right, or a straddle and go, what did you do last night? Right, yeah, so. yeah, they're, they're, they're sitting in a stretch. Um, but when they have to be focused on a choreographed routine that is specifically created to work every muscle of your body the way it needs to be utilized when you put it into a routine, they're actively practicing when practice starts, not when warm-ups are over. Does that make sense? So it, it's, it takes a lot of prep work on the front end to get those things ready. But like I said, once we really started getting much more aggressive about our warm-up time, that's when we actually started practicing our dances less because their bodies were more prepared to do it. We are conditioning and our warm-ups take 45 minutes of our practice every single day. And we don't have a day where we're like, stretch real quick. We got to get right into the routine. I would rather not work on the dance and make sure we get that warm-up and that stretch time in every single day. How long do you practice? Two and a half hours. So we have like 30 to 45 minutes of warm-up, about 45 minutes for each routine each day. And we are a practice jazz and kick every day team. Um, and then some team time at the beginning and end or middle, wherever it comes in that day. So um, a lot of what, we're, like I said, a lot of what the stretches that we're doing are focusing on what their bodies need to be doing when they're kicking. So when they're doing something as simple as we have one, one part of our game day warm up where they're in a lunge like this while we're stretching their hip flexors really hard because we need them to do that. We're making sure that they're totally neutral. Their core is engaged, their arms are up and they're pressing their arms up and down. Okay, well they could just go like this and press their arms up and down or they could reach all the way through their middle finger, press their shoulders down and that's their connections. They're working on their connection while they're also working their obliques, while they're also stretching this, and they're also pressing through the floor and working on balance at the same time. So we talk through that at the beginning with them, and they're all like, they don't do this with their arms because they know that that's what their connections are going to look like if that's what they do during the warm-up. So <clears throat> um, there's so many different dynamic warm-ups and things you can find online. Find out what, where, what level your team is at and what you need right now in order to implement those things during your warm-ups so you're not having to do connection drills every day because they did it during their warm-up and their arms and their bodies and everything is ready for what you need when the time comes. All season long. Yep. Yeah. And it takes until like it's, it's a hot mess until like week four and then they get it down. But then by the time they get to that first game day, they've got the routine down. So we start working on those choreographed warm ups day one of winter season. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so the first song is, a, is really focused on balance and kind of waking up our muscles. The second song is much more focused on flexibility work. And then the third, the third one is, I feel like they're almost doing like improv movements, you know, and a lot of like full body roll and roll all the way to, down to the floors. And, you know, they're, they're like moving all over the place. But yeah, those are the three, the three songs we do. And I think the songs are like four minutes, five minutes, and four minutes long. So it's about 13, 13 to 14 minutes 
is their actual warm-up that they do on those days. And if you if you don't have weightlifting at your school, you could do a fourth one, like a strength-based mm-hmm. one. Since we're hitting balance, flexibility, and movement, mm-hmm. you could definitely have a strength one, strengthening one that was all created. Absolutely. So. I feel the beauty of having a created warm-up is you, you don't spend any time going, well, what should we do next? What should we do next? Who's going to lead warm-up? You have it done and go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with our choreograph, like, we have those same choreographed songs. So if, if, if song one is on Mondays, then, yeah, maybe you have the senior leading. They get to pick the music for Monday, and the senior gets to pick the rest of the music for Tuesday or, you know, whatever that is. But it just... I don't know. It it forces them to not have to think about things that are unnecessary. It just gets them zoned in right away when you have that choreographed stuff planned out for them. Yeah. Am I understanding correctly that after you do the choreographed warm up, you do spend some time stretching? We spend a lot of time stretching. And when you say a lot, what do you mean? Yeah, I would say we usually say four songs. So four songs at three to four minutes a piece is another maybe fifteen minutes. And that is something that the girls need. The... It it's both. It's both, um, but we, we do expose our seniors and our captains to a lot of different warm-up styles. I know Allie has an awesome warm-up that, you know, we use the Just for Kicks warm-up as one of our things that we do. They, do, they use that a lot during fall season um, and things like that, but just to make sure that we're never doing the same stretching routine every single day. So, yeah, we utilize our kids to help with that after the coach's choreographed warm-up is, is done. Yep. Uh, there, oh, go ahead. Not really. Okay. No, we haven't had that issue, but we are also, we are not like Cindy's like, do you want to sit during this class? Like I can't sit during anything. And I don't think I've ever sat during a practice. If there's five coaches there that day, that it's five coaches moving around. Um, and, you know, we kind of say, well, you wouldn't slough through practicing your routine. This is another one of your routines. Um, that's prepping you for the competition routine. So I think that comes back to expectations. And, like, you know, to be a good coach, you can't be complacent. You have to be, you know, my assistant coach or my JV coach is awesome at really staying on the kids and walking around. And, like, it is inspiring for the kids to Mm -hmm. keep on them and make sure they're always going. And I do think you're right. You can't sit down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are times when during warm-ups a couple coaches need to meet on some formations or they need to do things like that. But if there's five of you sitting with a Starbucks while they're warming up, that's the energy you're going to get back from them. So we are huge on never not sitting while they're warming up because practice has started. And so we're we're giving them the energy that we are expecting to get back right away when warm-ups start. And that's something Allie's been doing um, yoga two days a week for the kids in the summer because it's her big thing. She's really into yoga. And she just texts all the other coaches. And she's been doing it early. They're doing weightlifting two days. They're doing all this ballet two days. They're doing all this stuff. But she goes, I need you guys there during yoga, not to do it, but to walk around for the lazies. Mm-hmm. You know, she goes, they, they need or corrections. Yeah. She goes, because I can't correct every kid. So we've all been trying to go. Yeah. So biggest thing, if I, if you get anything out of today, it's utilizing your warmups properly to set yourselves up to not have to do drills or work on technique because once it gets, you know, once October 25th hits, it feels like you have four minutes to get ready for your first meet. Right. And so you don't want to have to be working on that stuff. Utilize your warmup time to prep yourself for technique. Um, And so that, and again, all your stretches that you're doing, you know, really thinking through, you know, 
if, if you're a team that needs to work on hips, then that needs to be four different exercises in your choreographed routine. Your warm-up, focusing on hip flexors, focusing on abductors, fo- focusing on whatever it is that you need to be ready for that day needs to be part of your choreographed warm-up. Um, that's only se- section one. Yeah. Here we okay, go. We keep going. <laughs> um, any questions just on... on on warm-ups or starting your practices or, or different things, cardio things to get things going, ideas? Yes? Do you guys do like kick at practice and how often do you do that? They do it a lot in the fall season. We don't do it ever in the winter. Yeah, we don't do it much in the winter either. Once in a while, but we have so much other stuff we're doing. Now, I've heard some teams do it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, yeah, we do it in the fall mm-hmm. or the yeah. summer. Training season, yeah. not competition season. Yep. Um, so just some different exercises. Um, biggest thing for shoulder strength. And the I know the biggest thing that we're seeing with kids is just posture is so terrible. Um, and as I say that, everybody does this a little bit, yeah. But like 75, 80% of their day, they're like this because they either have their phone in their hand or their iPad or they're on their laptop, you know, because now they that's what they use at school and things like that. So a lot of our exercises that we're doing in our warm-up are really focusing on opening here, okay, and working between the shoulder blades and things like that. So just some um, utilizing some resistance bands um, and things like that, whether it's during, during your warm-up. Um, that's, I should have I brought some, but we have, um, we, use, we have resistance bands that we use a lot that we're, like, pulling something apart. And I think I could do it with, like, a shirt. And using like a t-shirt or something as a resistance band. Um, but just having your kids do this for like 30 to 45 seconds each day and just having them go up and over with their shoulders. A lot of kids can't do that without bending their arms until they do it a lot. But that this right here is just such a huge piece. And even when they're stretching, when they're doing their warm-ups, focusing on posture, focusing on posture. Um, I mean, my kids are so sick of me talking about shoulders and posture, but it does change the way that they carry themselves if you're focusing on it a lot during warm-ups. So we do a lot of resistance band band training for their shoulders. Um, Then after that, we'll start doing it where they go there, and then they slam down and come all the way up, and then you just added a hamstring push in it and stuff like that. So you're getting shoulders and hamstrings at the same time. So that is something you can put in choreograph warm-up. Um, another stretch is um, sitting down, um, having them sit down on the floor, legs straight out in front of them, keeping their knees and ankles all the way together and reaching their arms back as far as they can behind them and then getting their hands as close together as they possibly can, opening this in a way that is very abnormal for them. Have them hold that for 30 seconds to a minute, and they'll all be like this on the way back up um, because it's just it stretches something different. So again, they're like sitting on the floor, feet out directly in front of them, and then reaching as far back as they possibly can and getting their hands as close together as possible. Some of them will be all the way flat down on the floor. Some of them will be almost sitting straight up. It's just everybody's body is a little bit different, um, but that's just an awesome stretch to open up those shoulders that they are, don't think about doing. Sorry that I'm sitting down, but yeah. my, my feet hurt. That's okay. <laughs> I told you, I'm just... I can't sit still ever. I usually can't either, but... Um, Push-ups in a bridge, okay? 
We do that towards the very end of our warm up when their backs are really nice and warm, but get them in a bridge position and have them do push ups in a bridge so that they're stretching, you know, their shoulders. Um, that's one that's awesome. And then a great one for lower back is when they're in that bridge, keeping their arms as straight as they can and dropping their butt down and up. I cannot demonstrate that one. Um, I wish I should have brought a video of one of the kids doing that, but you're in a bridge, keeping your arms as straight as you can and without bending your arms, have them drop their butt to the floor and come back up and that's an awesome stretch for their lower back and just below their shoulder blades. Again, it's gonna look awkward, they're gonna feel totally awkward, but it's just a really good strengthening exercise for that middle to lower back that you want them to hold nice and tight when they're kicking. Any questions on shoulder strength, things like that? Um, we work with a weight room coach um, who he'll come in and say, okay, I can see at about a minute into the routine, everybody's starting to do this a little bit, so we're going to work some different exercise. Really utilize your weight room staff in your school um, and get them to speak your language. Um, they get excited and they, they geek out over stuff like that. So if you say, this particular thing in our dance is giving us trouble, what exercises can you give it? They get excited over that stuff. So we really utilize our weight room staff in our school a lot. Neat that yesterday we had Kim back do it and she gave us so many yeah, exercises so yeah she's just great yeah. so she's awesome awesome um, okay I'm just gonna keep going down the yeah. list and then you guys can ask questions yeah later um, talking about um, use of the quads and I know we had a couple things about knees stretching the knees stretching the knees stretching through the back of the knee I would say um, I know I went in and worked with Tiffany's team and they, they heard me say 1,000 times, stretch the back of your knees, stretch the back of your knees. That is something that is learned, can be learned during warm-ups. And there's so many different times that during warm-ups when they're in the runner stretch and they're just bending that back knee and they're just hanging out down here because they think they're stretching their left hip flexor. Well, actually what they should be stretching is the back of their knee and their glute during this stretch. Um, and so there's so many stretches that they're doing where you need to focus on them almost hyperextending and pressing through the back of their knees. So even when I'm just standing here, am I pushing my heels through the floor and sticking my butt out? I'm stretching through the back of my knees. When they're reaching down you know, to the floor here, is there a slight bend? Yeah, you want a slight bend if there's too much pressure, but almost pushing back through the back of their knees so they understand what that feels like. Um, so that they're learning what a full extension feels like in the back of their knees. Um, a lot of kids immediately think to get their kick up, they need to tighten their quads. And that is the opposite of what needs to happen. Okay, and their, their kicks, I, I talked about those lower back exercises, their kicks start right here in their, in their core, push through to their lower back, down through their glute, and then out. And when they do that without tightening their quad, that's when you don't, that's when you get the extension and you're not getting the leading with the knees. As soon as they tighten that quad, that's when their knees bend is right here because this quad is too tight. So during your warm-up, doing stretches that focus on lower back, glute, all the way through the hamstrings and the back of their knees, and really pushing through all of those muscles so that when it comes time to, for them to lift and actually kick their legs, and you can do it connected, laying on the ground, have them brush and reach out with those legs, do not tighten that quad. Use their inner thigh, okay? That comes from ballet and plies and things like that. Using their inner thigh on the way up 
and the only time they're using their quad is at the top of their kick to pull it down. That was another thing on the sheet. How do you get them to pull them down? That's when you utilize your quads is on the way back down with your kicks. That was a lot of information in two minutes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just blurting it all out. So again, um, focusing during your warm-up, lower back, strong lower back strength, okay? Doing a lot of exercises for your glutes so that they're stretching through their glute, through the top of their hamstring, th all the way through their knee, and brushing. A lot of people say up, down. We say out, down, out, down, out, down. So they're thinking of brushing out with their kicks, not just lifting up. We brush out, pull down, brush out, pull down um, for kicks. And then not tightening the quad until you get to the very, very top. Um, to pull that kick down. What other things? Um, I just had a thought and it just left me. I just think that the more, the longer I've been doing this, I feel like we really have to realize strength is what it's all about. I mean, strength and flexibility. You're not going to look good at this unless until you spend that time getting strong and you, you're going to be able to do anything. We were also saying that jazz dancers... <laughs> are easier are easy to turn into kick dancers if they're strong mm -hmm. you know it's harder to turn a kick only dancer into jazz mm -hmm. but if you have those basic skills but so you know i i was using the example one time i had uh abdominal surgery all the way you know c-section and i had to teach a kick workshop like three weeks later or something and it was like you don't realize how much you're using those inner layers of your um core until you have an abdominal surgery or something but you need to figure out and it made me realize oh they really do need strong cores you know because that's what it's your help that's what's helping you lift and so strength 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 you can't yeah a lot more focus on strength training and stretching yep. less on kicking over and over and over again and i think it's going to help with the overuse injuries too if you realize if you have you know i had one of my girls led a class here last summer or demoed for us her name was semi and you know here i coach her but after watching her at that class i was like well no wonder she's so good mm -hmm. it's because she's so strong mm -hmm. she could do anything we threw at her ally had all these all these new and same thing with eva on day one She's very strong. So those kids are going to be able to do anything. So you really do need to use your time. Go ahead. Somebody had a... Yeah, do you have any tips for teaching kids, like, the mind-muscle connection, especially younger or newer kids that might not have that ballet or studio experience? Yeah, I would say breaking things down and going through, I mean, just a lot more, especially at the beginning of kick, um, you, not kicking above the waist, until you need to, like focusing on, you know, just the different placements and the different, you know, a lot more degages, a lot more just leg lifts, things like that, until they get the idea of where things are, need to be placed in the motions of things before just throwing a kick set at them and they're already throwing their legs up and their hips are going everywhere. But just breaking things down really, really slowly um, and, and not kicking, ab I mean, and especially like seventh, I know a lot of people have seventh and eighth graders and stuff on their teams. Like when they first get going, straights and sides is all they need to know how to do right now because that's all their little tiny growing bodies can probably handle. The fans and the crossing and the hinging and the stuff. Like by 11th grade, they're not going to be able to do anything anymore because their bodies aren't ready to do that. So focusing on the strength training piece of it and the placement of things first. 
Um, I, I, I know I said this to a couple teams that I've worked with. Um, we don't kick full out until two weeks before our first meet. And so their entire fall season until they get out on the football field and maybe do it during the performance, they're never kicking above shoulder level at practice. Because for me, the difference between here and here is adrenaline and a little more flexibility. Um, and so, yeah, that a couple weeks before we compete for the first time, we'll be like, okay, this one's all the way. But 90% of the time, we're kicking at eye level, so all of this is maintained, and that adrenaline is what just gets that last bit of snap up at the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, um, it, it was just like unnecessary yeah. work right. that, why are we tiring them out on the stuff that their bodies could be trained to do in a different way? And then we're not getting the overuse and they're not developing bad habits. They're going to get them up when they need to get them up. Do you ever have those kids that can't? Well, I suppose, you know. No? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, sh sure. I mean, they're all going to be at different levels, but it, it kind of, it evens itself out where it needs to usually. Yeah, we're, we're a less is more for sure. We're a practice less, we're a do less team, absolutely for sure. So was that, did that help answer your question? But yeah, just break down, break down and go slower. Go slower with those kids at first. Yeah. How far out do you guys go for mark time? Um, mark, mark time, I would say like their actual dancing and movement is full out and then kicks are maybe at about eye level. But yeah, marking time, marking time we say is our first performance of the day. Yeah, so, but we don't really do marking time anymore, do we? Marking time. Kind of. Some places you do. Some places we don't. But when, when we had marking time on a more regular basis, yeah, that's your, that's your first performance of the day. If you go out there and just throw it out there, then you trained your body in that setting. That's what it can do. So we're not a full, full out, full out, but we're all the technical parts of it are full out, I would say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, that's just some exercises that... Yeah, I think we've talked through that. Okay. Um, so a lot, we talked a lot about really um, extensive um, conditioning and really extensive warm-ups. And then at what point do you, so you get them stretched and you get them ready for that day. It would be like in between jazz and kick or after you've done kick for about a half an hour, that's when you start doing more of static stretching, partner stretching, things like that when their bodies are already like sweating and warm, that's when you push flexibility, that's when you push things to go a little further, is when maybe their heart rate needs a break, but their bodies are warm enough to push them further than they've ever been. So that's where we get together, and, and that's an awesome time for us, because we all practice at the same time. If we're switching between kick and jazz, then you know what, it's partner up with someone from JV, let's do these three partner drills or partner exercises or partner stretches or things like that. Um, so we're doing more of our static things in between after we've already done a bunch of cardio and our bodies are the warmest that they are for the day. That's when we're doing our, our hardest stretching is when our bodies are the most warm for the day. Maybe we should go to this, level up kicks. Mm -hmm. So next we're going to talk about leveling up kicks. And by that meaning, how do you get higher scores from the judges? Like what can you do to get higher scores? We all heard it on day one. Left kicks, left kicks, left kicks. And not just opens, what? and no walking. But um, left kicks to open kick sets and don't just do your hard kicks on your right. 
make sure you're doing hinges, um, fans, and that type of thing on your left. They want to see that. Then other things, um, varying your rhythmic counts and having your kicks have some kind of meat to them, like by showing that you're not just doing straights and you can do some... Utilizing syncopation, I think, is a huge thing. Um, You know, having a fan kick take two counts and then like some quick little footwork or some footwork into a slower kick and then, you know, just changing up your head guides, using utilizing timing and syncopation um, in your kicks and and really utilizing your music. A lot of times your music tells you more than you think it does um, and pulling some of those musicality things out are, are things that I like to play a lot with with kick sets is I... I'm like, I want my body to sing what the music is doing or what the backbeat of the music is doing or the instrument that you might not hear and the waltz, you know, those are the kind of things that we we really try and play with to pull out the dynamics and the, again, the musicality to get some of those difficulty points and kicks, but really playing with pace of kicks, with speed of kicks and um, syncopation and footwork and and just just some interesting things to to really change things up. I um I don't know. I'm not a huge like put a left kick in to put a left kick in kind of person because who wants to see an ugly left hinge? But if that's what they want, then that's what you do, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Then then I would maybe just have two groups, but the front line's doing right and the second line's doing left, maybe. And I don't know. But yeah. Variety of kicks, like like making sure you're covering all the different types of kicks, you know, just checking them off a list and going, okay, do we have hovers, do we have fans, do we have hinge, do we have flicks, do we have, you know, all the various things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, we're huge too on not, not being obvious with your kicks. If like, I know what the next kick is going to be in the set, like if if it seems natural to do an outside kick, then maybe you do an inside on the opposite leg kind of thing. We're like a, and, and that's where like visual effect can come in as if line one can do a right outside, but line two is doing a left inside at the same time. Where can you play with visual effects within your kicks? And that for me, creating kick sets with visual effect like that with different group work is fun. And that's where you can gain difficulty points um, for both kicks and then visual effectiveness points within your kick sets. Um, yeah, yeah, really trying to do the not obvious things. Um, those are some things that I really like to play along with and, and using and counts and things like that. Oh, you have starting with the left leg variety. Spreading them out from the beginning of the dance to the end of the dance is yeah, huge they too. See kicks at the end of the dance to show you can sustain your momentum. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I think to think about is don't do all your. Um, you know, when you hit that kick line, you better look beautiful. It's like you don't want to put something you really can't do in the kick line. That would be something where maybe to cover it up when people are moving or in the back. Mm Kind of like she said, you don't want your left and the front if it's bad. In the kick line, you want to have what you're the best at in your kick line. Absolutely. Yeah, I know we we kind of have a kind of a formula, but like our first kick kick set is always going to be our kick set that shows our technique. Like right off the bat, we want them to be like, we're starting them at a nine, you know, or we're starting them at a 10 if we're really lucky that day. That doesn't happen too often, but, um, you know, our, our, our first kick set, (laughs) 
Not the, it's like technique, though. Technique, I feel like, is hard to get a 10 in. But um, our first kick set, we're focusing on our technique and showing that we're strong, we're solid, we're prepared for this. That our first kick set is showing our technique. Our second kick set is usually where we're like really beefing up the, the difficulty. We're really playing with the dynamics of the visuals and the footwork and all of that kind of stuff for them to be like, okay, they can kick. Ooh, now that was hard, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to think like a judge where that um, when, like Cindy said, when you're in your straight line and you are so exposed, expose what you're awesome at during that during that time. If your team is awesome at fans and swinging and switching their hips, then go for it. But if that is not your team's jam, then don't put that in the in the space that you are most exposed. Um and then I think at the end, don't put your hardest kicks at the end of the dance because do you do something that you can maintain your technique with at the end of the dance. So they're saying at the end of the dance, I, I, I would think in a judge's mind that they would want to see strong technique at the end instead of continuing to throw hard stuff at that makes you look weaker than you maybe are because you're trying to do something you shouldn't be trying to do at the end of the dance. So I would say our last kick set is maybe like our second easiest one because it's things that we can maintain all the way through to the very end of our dance. So expose your technique, show them what, what level your technique is going to be at, get a little harder, do what you're very best at, you know, when you're most exposed, and then at the end, maybe scale it back on the difficulty, but show them you can maintain technique at the very, very end when you're choreographing those kick sets. Yeah. Individual kicks. Mm -hmm. Kids, as far as um, you know, just the technique, what what what, what resonates with your team as far as mm -hmm. the good technique. She's saying individual unhooked on kicks, yeah. correct? Yeah. We. I mean, we always put them in there but a lot of our a lot of song one of our game day warm-up is a lot of balance and posture stuff and so we're saying right now this is your individual kick so they're swinging these legs and they're doing all these things this is are you holding this so that when your leg actually has to be up here instead of just this are you there so they're thinking now how this is going to benefit them later so that's a, a huge thing we use during our warm-up too, but yeah, I mean, I like them. They're hard, you know, and we all had to do them a lot a couple of years ago when we couldn't connect for very much time. Um, and so I, I like doing that to, for the exposure, but only if they're really strong is when they're effective. Are you strong? Do you have great cardio? Because if you don't and you put them in, they're not going to look pretty, you know? But. Yeah, but they can be really, really effective. And if you, you change them and they're facing different directions and doing different things, individual kicks can be so cool and so effective. But they have to be strong in order to do them. But, yeah, I, we incorporate things in our warm-up, and then we talk about this is, this is holding your right side for those left kicks to stay up. And uh, you're on this base leg right now. Are you pushing through the floor and pulling up through your supporting leg like you're going to need to when you do the, those individual kicks? Yeah. Some things to think about are moving kids around. Like I do that in our kick line when we're working timing our kick line so that if you're having trouble with the kicks coming down together, you move the kids around so their different sizes of legs come down together. Not when we're competing, when we're practicing. It's a good way to practice the, the drill. Um, somebody asked how to get your hinges, your hinge kicks, like tips for hinge kicks. I think it comes... You know, it, it comes back. You had a little drill like up here where you're mm -hmm. holding it. I'm not going to demonstrate it. Yeah, it's just where they're connected and then they're pulsing and they're lifting up here. 
Um, but again, those are something you can put in like an individual warm up where they're doing that, but then go ahead and have them connect and do, you know, just lifts to um, strengthen through those um, hip flexor muscles and things like that. I think for hinge kicks, ballet, I mean, if you can do any kind of ballet at the bar, whether you're doing your extensions, it, it just really helps strengthen and it's, it's strength. Mm -hmm. And if you're not good at them, it's probably because they're not strong. You do need to do them a lot. Some of the things I, I find that just technique-wise is make sure you're hitting that up high kick and then fold into it where some people, they anticipate the fold so it looks like a mess. Another thing someone said that helped them that I said one time was, you know, when you're going up, pretend you're dinging a bell, dinging a bell, so you have that strength behind that, that flick on it. That will help you. I think focusing on your base leg a lot too, though. Like, yes, if they get their hinge up, that's great. But like, it's this Are leg that is, this yeah. leg is what's helping them. So your strength in your left glute is what's actually going to help your you maintain height of your right hinges is that base leg. So a lot more, a lot more. You know, there's a lot of different you know exercises that you can do where you're you know we're moving their legs around and they're doing this. Well, that's you know that's your hinges right there and building up that glute strength for when that other leg is up in the air and things like that. So focusing on the base leg as much as you're focusing on the working leg. Yeah. Recover. Yeah. We do enough during practice that they shouldn't need. I think it's the, like they know in order to be prepared for the next day. There's kids who could go home, recover, watch the video a couple times and be prepared. There's kids who know themselves, you know, we'll say when you get back tomorrow, we're not going over this again. Be prepared for this. And then they kind of have to know themselves to know, OK, I'm a kid who's going to actually have to go home and practice this for an hour to be prepared. Or there's kids, like I said, who could sit, watch film from practice you know for 15 minutes and then they're ready to go so that's more of an individual responsibility thing on their on their side but yeah we don't have like a here's your homework for today kind of thing because our one of our biggest focuses this last year was well-rounded and so I felt like my job was get it all in in the time I have them and when they leave me um, yes, are they thinking about this? And yes, are the choices that they're making outside of this, we hope are beneficial for what they're doing inside of it. But they also have to shut us off at some, time, at some point too. But if it's a kid who needs to practice, then they do. Um, if it's a kid who doesn't, I'm okay with that. I was just, I'm gonna start going through these questions. How to get the snap down and kicks to control timing. Um, we talked a little bit about that, but I also will say, um, I think music speed can play a big different you know if you're not getting your kicks to come down together like I've watched teams before where I literally want to speed their music up and go that's why you're doing this mm -hmm. so you do need to know your music speed and know how to do a 10 second check I also think the drill that I use is first kick you've got to get that first kick on and I, I really believe like beat ones if you're not getting that first kick in a kick set you got to focus on going there first kick stop so that you get it together. Mm -hmm. Anything else with that? Okay. We're 150, and I never speed it up. What does that divide by? We're, I have no idea. 
I don't even know, but somebody told me I'm 150, and that's where we usually stay. Like well, and I know some people thought we were like a 155. We're we're slow. We're slow. Yeah, we're one. I th- I think we started at 150 last year, and I did not speed it up once. You're at 25. What does that mean? 25. I do a 10-second check, so I'm checking music so it's quicker than listening to a whole minute. Okay. So I listen to 10 seconds with my stopwatch, and then I know, okay, we're at, you're at 25. I think we're at, like, 26 in a 10-second, which would be 156. Okay. So if you're 150, get what I'm saying? Yeah. You guys are smart. Um, let's see. Head guides. I, somebody asked a question on how do you get good head guides. I feel like you have to choreograph head guides in when you're learning them and really be, be intentional about that. And sometimes you need to slow down a little when you're teaching them. So bad habits are hard to break. So if you teach them right, like your kids should know if they're kicking on the, or if they're doing their head on the prep or the kick. And some teams don't differentiate you know, detail, detail, detail is big on heads. Um, I think the other drill I use for head guides is I bring them all together and I, I like mark kicks. And if they're close together, I can see whose heads are off or slow or not as hard. So that's just my little thing. Hunching, um, I think getting stronger backs is huge because a lot of times you tell a kid, oh, you're hunching, but you're not, they know that. Mm-hmm but they can't fix it. So it's probably get them stronger. I mean, being conscious of it. Stop kicking and start doing drills to strengthen their back. (laughs) Yep. And sometimes we've divided into, you know, issue groups, I call them. Like, hunters are over here. Feet people are over here. Mm -hmm. You know, and we'll go, okay, we're going to have, you know, six minutes with your issue. (laughs) You know, you go, and that's what you're working on. And You know, because I, I have kids that are overly flexible but not strong. They don't need to do static stretching forever. I want them to be able to, like, pull their leg down because they're strong instead of it just going everywhere, you know. So sometimes you got to divide. And that's where assistant coaches come in because one person's going to be on feet. Mm-hmm. That's our issue this year, feet, 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 you know. So divide and conquer into groups. And don't be making people work on stuff they don't need to work on. Leading with the knees we talked about, right? That's all in your, it's all in your warm-up for that part of it. How they do what they're doing so it becomes a habit. Filming, I love a lot of filming. My, my thought is do it on your kicks that you're doing. You know, like, like if you're doing a kick, just when you teach it, be real intentional and yell, head, 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 hold, and head, you know, so they know where it is, and then you do it with that drill. Because, I mean, you could do, there's all these tightness drills and different things. You got to implement it into the routine. So that's why I don't use a different drill. I use our kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just, I mean, I feel like head guides and things like that are similar to, like, turns. When they count their turns, their turns are usually on right? Because they're physically telling their body what to do. Where, like, I'm telling their body what to do, but I don't control them. They control them. When they say it out loud, they are more naturally going to do something when they're, they are saying it out loud and telling their body what to do. So that, yeah, we do that all saying the time. that. I don't even realize we're doing that, but yelling it out is 
great. We do it on spots, too. And, I mean, you can't be off on your spot if you're yelling, spot, 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 you know. Well, you can. But <laughs> that's a different kind of talented, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you can be off on anything, but hopefully that it helps them. I think it engages the that part of the brain so that they're thinking about it at least. Mm-hmm. But I really feel it's in the learning process with heads that you have to learn them correct. Because boy, if you don't catch it right away and somebody learns it wrong, it's just it's such a habit to get it switched. So what else? Yeah, 45 minutes is weight room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and our strength coach will kind of see where we're at in the season, see what our competition schedule looks like for that week. Or if, if it's like a rest week when we don't have a competition, then he's pushing harder in certain areas, and he tailors that whatever they're doing in the weight room based on what our week looks like and what we need. If it's a jazz competition week versus a kick competition week, that changes up what he does too. Um, yeah, our yoga sculpt is 45 minutes. I, we're like, like an hour feels too long to do anything to me. So we're like a 45 minute for each thing. That's I might a- have to leave the room during 45 minute yoga. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, got to get going. We got to get going. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But Ellen leads that, not me. <laughs> so, so that's where someone else yeah, jumps in. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Utilizing different yeah. coaches for different things is Alex definitely what we do. All right, we got like five more minutes. Other questions? Just feet? I mean, yeah, all, that's all during, during their warm-ups. That's, and, and a lot of, it's not just toes, it's like ankles, t- stretching through the top of their ankles. Um, it's flexibility in your feet and strength. Mm-hmm. And so utilize, utilizing that during your warm-up. So, you know, have them go up and releve and then have them go over the top of their toes and have them do plies over the top of their toes so they're stretching the top of their feet and their ankles and the front of their ankles too. I mean, that's a huge part of it is ankle strength and ankle flexibility is a huge part of stretched feet. Um, we use a lot of resistance bands. Like each kid has a little pack of three, like the red, blue, and green, and they're sitting next to them during warm-ups and they're stretching their feet and stuff during warm-ups. So using bands a lot during feet. feet, And they each have their own with their name on it so that their feet don't touch other people's bands. That would be gross. Yeah. 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 That's good. There's so many things you can, you can do for feet. Like our, um, our physical therapist guy had the kids picking marbles up and putting them in a solo cup. And just, you know, today, didn't Kim talk about the towel yesterday? So I tried that this morning when I took a shower and I was just like scrunching the towel with my feet. And it really does. I mean, you can really feel that. So, I mean, that'd be something every day when you take a shower, scrunch your towel 20 times with your feet. And I mean, they just have to be conscious of it. And yeah, incorporating more exercises into everyday things. So you spend less time on them during practice. That's that's it. <laughs> well, I hope this helped you. She's amazing. And yeah. So thank you. She did my dishes yesterday when she got to my I house. I did. <laughs> thank you for listening to Anything But Routine. If you like the podcast, give us a five-star rating or hit that subscribe button. We'll see you next time.